Welcome to the Listings Lab podcast with Jessla Nouvelle, founder of the Listings Lab and best-selling author of More Money, Less Hustle, becoming the seven-figure real estate agent. Are you ready to learn how to scale your real estate business from six to seven figures and create unlimited scalability and financial freedom in the process? It's time to take back your life and avoid the oh-so-common realtor burnout. Learn techniques and strategies to help you build relationships at scale and create a business full of clients you love with systems that give you the freedom to live your life. It's time to put aside the old school tactics and embrace a new way of business where you can have predictability in everything that you do. Let's get into it. Okay, so today, the main focus of what, we're, what I want to talk to you about is to highlight some of the things that the agents in my world or my community that are doing 100 plus deals a year, what they're doing differently. So we're going to come at this from a couple of different angles. We're going to talk a little bit about what makes them different in terms of like who they are, how they be, how they take action, things like that. And then we're also going to talk about some of the actions and some of the tools that they're actually using on a regular basis. So we're going to come at this from a couple of different angles. So what I want to start with is what are some of the characteristics or traits that tend to bode well for someone who wants to get to that level of production? Like, yes, there is, there's the marketing things that they're doing. And yes, we can talk about those marketing things. But all in all, it also requires a certain level of speed speed of implementation, lack of perfectionism, which I've been talking about a lot recently, because the perf the idea of perfectionism, and if you're in any of my programs, you've heard me use the term or the saying that perfectionism is just procrastination in a cuter outfit. And so a lot of the time what we do is we 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 get sort of stuck in this idea of I can't launch it until it's perfect. Now, when you do that and you wait, you're not only always going to be last, in terms of implementation, you're always going to be behind the behind the game, but you're also going to struggle with the with the fact that you're not getting data back. And in marketing, the most important thing that you can get is data. I consider myself to be a very proficient marketer. Does every single thing that I launch blow up? Absolutely not. But what I do get is I get it out there. I get some information back and it allows me to iterate and it allows me to test. The whole idea behind this is that to be a really good marketer, you almost have to be a scientist. I think that I know what's going to work. And then what I get to do is put it out there and test and test and test and test until it works the way that I want it to. And so when you're thinking about that from, from a real estate uh, angle or for, for your business, the speed of implementation and the idea of launching to learn is incredibly, incredibly important. So some of the people who we have that are doing 100, 200 deals a year, those people are launching constantly. They're constantly testing things. They're constantly putting things out there. And sometimes they're right and it works. And sometimes it flops. And then they get to look at it and say, okay, now, why do we think that this flopped? Let's look at the data. Let's look at the numbers. And let's actually make some adjustments and throw it out there again and see what the reaction actually looks like. I had a lady the other day that, you know, wanted to give me hell 
because I'm still running paid traffic and ads from when I was 60 pounds lighter and blonde. And I'm sure you guys have all seen those ads. Now, the reason why I'm still running those ads is because they're still working. And so because of that, am I going to turn something off that has worked, worked consistently for five years? No. And so it's one of those things that it's not about me looking perfect. I think that the, the idea that people have is, oh, she wishes, she wishes she still looked like that. And so because of that, she's still running those ads. That has nothing to do with it. I am 1000% happy with me being dark haired and a little chubby. And that makes me perfectly, perfectly content. I get to eat the things that I didn't get to eat back then. And I get to, you know, have cheesecake. And so, you know, for me, I'm a much, I'm actually a happier person now than I was then. But I think that a lot of the time what ends up happening is people don't, people who don't understand marketing don't understand marketing. And why would I continue to run an ad that isn't working? I wouldn't. So I think that also really understanding that like when you're launching to learn, it's always about the data and it's always about kind of what we're getting back and what's going to, what's going to allow us to keep something to keep something performing. One day, those ads will stop working. It's just, it's the world we live in. One day those ads will stop working. I'll shut them down. And guess what? You're going to see a whole bunch of new ads. And some of them are going to do really well. And some of them are going to do terribly. And that's okay. Because I'm going to need to put them out and launch and figure out what's actually going to work. So speed of implementation, no perfectionism, having huge unrealistic goals. Now, I know that there's a lot of the, a lot of the time we're taught, oh, we have to be realistic because you know, you don't want to get discouraged. The types of people who are hitting these kinds of production numbers are people who are shooting for the stars. They're shooting for big, unrealistic goals. And if they get there, great. And if they don't, they're going to keep working, right? And there, there's a willingness to put themselves out there and a willingness to take risks that actually allows them to really take advantage of of the of the kind of the risk taking and and being being innovative because i think some of the perfectionism or some of the fear of judgment that tends to come up also plays a role in not wanting to innovate 100% 10 times is easier than two times it's like my mantra right now if you haven't read that book 100% read that book by benjamin hardy i have 3 copies literally in this bookshelf behind me it's so, so important that we actually just start thinking in terms of big, unrealistic expectations of ourselves because it'll change the way that we actually make decisions and the way that we actually approach things. Okay, so, and the other thing that, that, that comes back to this idea of perfectionism is complete lack of blame. It doesn't matter what's happening in the market right now. It doesn't matter what's happening with the interest rates. It doesn't matter what's going on externally from these people. They are going to take 100% responsibility for their outcomes. They're going to take 100% responsibility because it doesn't matter if there's a reason why they can't. The only thing that actually matters to, the, to, these, to these particular people, the people who are really genuinely setting themselves apart, is that they, are, they want the result. 
all of the other things in the in the middle don't matter. They're going to do the self work. They're going to they're going to do the hard things. They're going to put themselves out there. And and you know when I'm talking about all of this, I'm not talking about hustling and grinding and working tw- 25 hours a day. What I am talking about is getting over the things that we use as excuses as to why we can't or why we won't. So blame, perfectionism, control, insecurity. And I mean, how many how many women do you know that are I'm 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 approaching 40. So I mean, I'm turning 40 in uh in March. And how many women, I'm going to use myself as an as an example, do you know that will get on a video or on a podcast or whatever and talk about their weight openly? Not a lot. But there is an element here of I am in no way shape or form insecure about anything. I and 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 that that lack of insecurity has allowed me to show up and do things that five years ago, 10 years ago, I would have never even imagined. I would never have even like thought about doing it because there was an element of self-preservation that I wouldn't have that I would have been kind of protecting at all costs. And if you are not willing to do something new, and it's kind of like the glory of like the like sucking at something for the first time. Like as an example, let's say that like I decide that I want to learn how to play soccer. I have terrible like foot. I'm very, very I have really good hand-eye coordination. I don't know what it is about my feet. They don't, they don't coordinate well. And so let's say I decide that I want to play soccer. I am never going as an adult. I'm never going to get on a soccer pitch for the first time and be super good at it. And as adults, we have a tendency not to pursue things that we don't know how to do well. We tend to go really hard only at the things that we're good at, and we, we refuse to look stupid. But it, we have to look stupid in order to actually start from the beginning and get better at something. Marketing is the same thing. It's, it's one of those things that like if you want the big end result, if I decided at 40 that I'm going gonna, I'm I'm gonna to be like the best soccer player in the Bahamas, I'm going to be really bad for quite a while. And I'm going to get better and I'm going to get better and I'm going to get better. And there's going to be a skill set that kind of comes up with it. So the, it's the idea of radical ownership of I, w- I, I will become that which I want to attract. If y- I, I'm going to behave in a way that is going to be in alignment with the results that I want, if that makes sense. Implementation, just like anything else, implementation is the number one thing. There's a lot of people out there that are confused, scared at what's going on in this market. And so they're in freeze. And so what they're doing is they're hoarding information. They're listening, going to a lot of trainings. They're listening to a lot of podcasts. They're reading a lot of books. And they're hoarding information and hoarding, just hoarding everyone else's opinions and everyone else's action. And not actually taking any action themselves. And when you do that, it's not going to do anything. Information isn't transformation. So it's the, it's the, it's the implementation piece that's going to be really important. And the other piece is the, is the strategy, of course. But it doesn't matter how amazing your strategy is if you're not implementing it. And you can, again, spend five years sitting and building the, the strategy that you are eventually thinking that you're going to put out there and never do it. 
So we talked about this quickly. The vision is really, really important. Having a really clear, very big, very unrealistic vision. The next thing is what you actually want to tackle. Now, so many people are like, in theory, they're like, I want to do 100 deals a year. I would love to be able to do 100 deals a year. But most people are setting themselves up that if, if the marketing worked, you would be in big trouble. If I dropped 100 clients on your head today, could you serve them? Probably not. And so a lot of the time, it's actually, yes, we want the marketing, but it's actually the unsexy stuff. It's the delivery systems and the automation and the service packages and those things that actually need the work before you're actually ready for the marketing to really hit. Because let's say that the marketing really works. Let's say that you break through all of the barriers that you have, that the internet has, that your ideal clients have, and it pops off. A lot of the time, you guys are going to end up in a situation that I ended up in. And I've made this mistake, which is the reason why I'm talking about it. And the reason why I teach it this way is the first time I hit seven figures, I, I did it as a solo agent. And it was the worst time of my life. My phone would ring and I would cry. I had like, I had like, I, I just, I was a, I was a basket case. And it was because I actually didn't have a real business. I didn't set up my business properly. I didn't have the systems. I didn't have the support. I didn't have, and I didn't have anything set up. It was just me. And this one woman show hit the marketing jackpot. And then all of a sudden couldn't handle everything that was coming in. And I'll be perfectly honest. I pissed some clients off because they, they were responding to the marketing and I wasn't able to deliver at the level that I wanted to because it was too much too fast. So again, like the question also becomes like, are you setting this up properly? Now, from an organic social media standpoint, most of the, the, the people that we're working with that are doing 100 plus deals a, a year, a lot of it is coming in organically. So a tremendous amount of pressure people put on ads. I run a lot of ads. I run a lot of paid traffic. We have, a lot, we have big marketing budgets. But I could shut all of that down and still have a very, very healthy business purely from the organic standpoint. And that's really, really important to remember. And some of you who've been to a lot of my trainings will have heard me say this before. If you're not doing three to five deals a month organically, hold the paid traffic. Because you probably haven't created enough really good content to warrant putting budget behind it yet. And when we're talking about really good content, the, the key here and the key mindset shift is even if the content is about you, it's for them. So every single thing that you put out there into the world has to run through the filter of who is this for? And make sure that you're not 
another way of looking about at this or another way of saying this is really good marketing isn't about having your ideal clients understand you. It's about your ideal clients feeling understood by you. So emotion, I'll say it in a different way. Good marketing is being able to articulate what's in the back of your ideal client's head better than they can. When you can do that, they will automatically build trust, build relationship. The emotional systems that we need to make decisions will come online. There's Human psychology is complicated. And from a human psychology standpoint, what we actually need is we need to activate certain parts of our emotional system and, and light up certain parts of the brain in order for people to even want to pay attention. And so another way of saying it is, and I, and I say this all the time, people make decisions emotionally before they make them logically. So the way that, we, the way that we've done this with so many people too is we name their ideal clients. It's not my ideal client in it like, you know, in the background is upsizers or I work with young families. That's what it's going to say out into the world. But my ideal client's name is Denise. And I know everything about Denise. And I write content for Denise. And so, you know, humanizing this person and having it not be this theoretical thing or this theoretical person that you're trying to that you're trying to attract. The other thing that we need to focus on is attraction. So are you going to be able to do 100, 200, 300 deals a year by chasing? Absolutely not. So it, it comes also down to what got you here won't get you there. And I talked about this in Austin at my last event a little bit, where a lot of the, the, a lot of the stats that are coming out now is, are that you are going to lose, if you are 100% repeat and referral, over the next eight years, your business and your database will churn 20%, even if you do everything perfectly. So if you think about it this way, every eight years, your business is going to churn 20%. In, and that's only if you're not adding new people in. So you have to be connecting with and adding new people in on a regular basis, a minimum of 20% to maintain the current level of business that you're in, in, an, in every eight, eight and a half year cycle. So when we're talking about actually creating scale and doing this on a large scale, the most important thing that we need to start thinking about is attraction. And I think sometimes when we think about marketing, because real estate is such an old school sales industry, it, you know, a lot of us have these real estate hats that we have on all the time. And when you're creating your marketing, we need to take the hat off and we need to actually be able to sit in the seat of your ideal client. And so when we're talking about attraction marketing or we're talking about in, inbound marketing, the key word that we have to focus on is attraction or magnetism. And when we're talking about magnetism, the people who we have that are absolutely killing it online have mastered both the conscious and unconscious magnetic qualities. Now, old school marketing would call this an indoctrination sequence, right? It's the, it's, it's, you know, traditional marketing, the like, the old school like Ogilvy guys who, who were like the big names in marketing, they would call this an indoctrination sequence where there's like a series of things that people need to experience from you 
in order to be indoctrinated. Now, I think the word indoctrination is absolutely disgusting if we think about it in like today's day and age. So we're not going to use indoctrination. I think that like I we want to call it like the curiosity sequence or the attention sequence or something like that, 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 that fits a little bit more of what we're trying to do today. But there's, there's, there's things that we have to, first of all, your first impression is going to be incredibly important. So if someone has a first impression of you, it doesn't matter how, if your first impression is bad, it doesn't matter how good everything else you put in front of them after that is, human beings will always revert back to their first impression. And it is very difficult to get over a bad first impression. Think, even think about it in your life, right? I always think about this girl that I was in my friend group in high school. I don't know why I got a bad first impression of her. She ended up being just an absolute gem of a human being. I didn't like her for like three years. And it had nothing to do with her. It had to do with like my first impression. I couldn't get over it. And everything that she did and everything that she said and every time I was around her, she was wonderful. But there was just something like in me that was like continued to revert back to that that bad first impression. And it's the same thing online, especially when there's so many people that are trying to grab people's attention, right? So your first impression becomes really important, right? So how someone is finding you is going to be really important. Are they just finding you on an explore page? Or are they finding you through a podcast interview? Are they finding you through an article you've been quoted in? Right? If they're finding you through PR, their first impression of you is going to be higher status or more elevated. So, you know, when when we're talking about things like that, the way that you, meeting someone that you, meeting someone I'm using the word meeting loosely, but meeting someone that you view as already famous or already vetted or already in a legitimate authority, authority, you know, situation or position is very different than just finding someone randomly online. And I see it all the time, too, like someone who finds my Facebook group randomly and I send them a message the response that I get is very different than someone who has like seen me on stage at an event and joined my Facebook group. The, com- the, the quality of the conversation that we're having is very different. So that's also, you know, how is that person finding you and what is the first impression that they're seeing, which is the reason why we set up, their, we set up accounts in such, a, in such a specific way because you have two to three seconds for someone to, to decide whether they're going to stay or whether they're going to go. So that's the other thing that people who are doing 100 plus deals a year, their profiles are set up so well. They are direct, highly valuable. Their profile pictures are engaging. And they're actually capturing a certain level of attention. So that from a logical standpoint is there. Now, from an unconscious standpoint, Again, it has to like it's it's the directness and the clarity. So old school marketing would consider the word authority as I have power over. Does that make sense? Now, an expert is only an expert because they've gained respect. When somebody finds you cold online, you haven't gained their respect yet. So everything that you put out there is has to be geared around gaining trust 
and really knowing what to show and what not to show. I saw a post today and it was a vulnerable post, or I think that she meant it as a vulnerable post, but I saw it as a, a debasing post. It didn't position her in a particularly good light. So you also have to understand the difference between vulnerable and the, the rule that I use on a regular basis is like, don't talk about your mess until you've cleaned it up. Until you have a lesson that you can, and, 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 and talking about those stories and talking about those lessons will create greater trust with your audience. But don't talk about it when you're in it. Don't talk about the breakdown when you're mid-breakdown. You want to talk about the lessons that have come out of it, the growth that you experienced out of it. Because if someone else is currently in that situation right now, they will learn from it and they will allow you or see you as someone that they can trust and respect. Um, okay, so gaining respect. Number one rule to gain respect is to give it. And the number one, that, one way that people disrespect their audiences online is by wasting their time. Are you being direct? Are you giving a tremendous amount of value in a short period of time? If every single listing that you're doing, you are going live or you are walking around showing people opening cupboards and kitchens and walking around wandering through houses, that's wasting people's time. It is incredibly important that you are direct high value, and that you can give as much as you can in the shortest amount of time. So respecting people's time. Also, respect their level of consciousness. And what I mean by that is don't use fancy language. It doesn't make you look smarter. It makes them have to think harder. So jargon, verbiage. If you can speak to them at their level, it will actually allow them to trust you more. And I think that people think of this the, 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 like the other way, is that if I sound smart, people are going to think that I'm smart. But when you, sound, when you use complicated jargon and language and industry terms that maybe your ideal clients don't know what they mean, they're either going to scroll past because they aren't connecting or they don't understand what you're talking about, or... They're just going to think that you don't. Mastery is always simplicity. And so if you can't simplify it, you haven't mastered it. Does that make sense? So if you can't put it in simplistic layman's terms, it actually means that you don't understand it that well. And so that's what your, what your audience might be experiencing. Leadership is a full-time devotion. You don't get to lead sometimes and then choose not to lead at other times, especially if you're trying to build audience online. So you have to look at yourself and behave as someone who is leading 24 hours a day in your online world. Now, you can do whatever you want when you're at home, but there's an, also an element of behind the scenes. People want to be able to see that you are actually embodying who you say you are. So there are pillars of your brand that are not just, I'm a real estate agent. People are going to resonate with you based on all kinds of things. Do you, you do yoga every day? 
If you don't do yoga every day, fine. But if you do, there are going to be people who resonate with that part of you. Are you super into cars? If you are, there are going to be people who resonate with that part of you. Now, for me, it's, you know, for years I have been teaching lifestyle and systems and automations and efficiency and, and your business being the vehicle to the life that you have. And all of it was great. And then I moved to the Bahamas. And I showed everyone that I was living what I preach. And my legitimacy went through the roof. And so there's an element of this too for every single one of you. So everyone who's doing 100 deals a year, it's not just about they're giving the best tips and tricks online. That's not what this is about. There's an un unconscious part of this that is they are living and embodying and showing people that they are who they say that they are and that people are being shown both conscious and unconsciously every single day, whether it's through content, through story, Instagram and Facebook stories, through, you know, whatever that they're putting out there, that that is true and that they can be trusted. And the things that they share, the vulnerabilities that they share are always going to be this idea of authenticity. Now, I think that the word authenticity is just such a catch-all word now that nobody really talks about what that actually is. Authenticity, the way that I see it, is you're showing up as yourself regardless of who's in your presence. You're not changing who you are based on the room that you're in. And I think it's a lack of, it's, it's an act of, of bravery. It becomes easier and easier and easier as we go through all of this, of course. The more brave you are, the easier it is to be brave. But it's also an element of like surrendering your ego and stopping thinking about, okay, this is always about me, but it's also, it, it's for them. So when we're talking about all of this, what some of the things that we need to have is we need the clear vision. Social media wise, we need your social set up properly. You have to be niche down. Having a niche or a niche, especially in the market that we're in now and especially the market that we're coming into, it's, it's an absolute must. And we're seeing it in every industry out there. We're starting to see personal injury lawyers niching down. We're seeing every single service-based industry is start, and the people who are doing really well are niched. Every single person that I have in my community that's doing 100, 200 deals a year, they all are niched down, which is the opposite of what most people think. They think, oh, well, if you're niched down, then you're not being a generalist and you're not like a catch-all. But when you're a catch-all, you, you're not breaking through any of the noise out there and you're just any other agent that's doing any other thing. So they're niched down. They have consistency built out in their marketing with automation. Because let's be honest, there is no human being on the planet that is consistent every single day. Well, I I'm certainly am not. So if, you're, if, if you want consistency and frequency and to build even greater trust through marketing with your audience, you have to have the automations. 
you also will need to be known for something. And you can't just be known for selling the most houses. You have to be known for something that makes you different. You have to have a unique value proposition, which we've heard a million times, but what does that actually mean? So one example is we have one person who's doing, I think she's done 90 deals so far this year. And her, she's known for her case studies. The way that she positions her case studies and how she writes them, other agents try to copy them all the time, but they never hit the same way because they're in her voice, they're in her tone, they're for her audience. And so the way that she does them is she starts out with numbers. She starts out with ad results and number of showings and number of offers and price point that they got. And then she tells the story. So her hooks in her content are different than the average, than, than an emotional hook. But that works really well for her audience. And again, it took us a lot of testing to get there. But for someone else, a really great emotional hook is Sally and James were desperate to have more space, but couldn't financially have a larger monthly payment. Here's what we did. That is going to hit a different kind of, that's a different kind of hook than the list and the numbers. Is this all making sense? Cool. Okay, budgets. Now, there's a difference between, and, and this is something, something that I think is really, really important as we're thinking about actually budgeting in 2024, is actually understanding where your money's going and separating your money. And what I mean by that is 100% of your real estate commissions is not personal income. You have to set your business up like a business because otherwise your business will always be spending money emotionally. So, so often I get on calls with people and they're like, I absolutely love this. I want to do this. I have to speak to my husband or I have to speak to my wife. And what I hear in that is my business isn't set up properly on the back end. Because if the money that you spend to invest back in your business is taking money away from your spouse, then it's not a business. So 100% of businesses who are set, that are set up correctly have a business account that then the, the, C, the CEO or the team lead or whatever you want to call it pays themselves a salary from the, 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 from the revenue of the business. Imagine if Elon Musk considered 100% of the revenue of Tesla to be, or SpaceX to be his personal income. We just, it, it doesn't make sense. And whether your business is a billion dollar business or it's a $200,000 a year business, it has to be set up the same way. Otherwise you will never be a big business. And, and it'll keep you from actually investing in the growth of your business. So when the marketing really hits and when we nail all the marketing and the brand story, the brand story, I'm gonna do an entire training on this for, for brand story. But it, we have to understand the difference between being magnetizing and being polarizing because they're the same thing. So one of the exercises that I love to have people do is I want you to write down absolutely everything that, about yourself that you think is polarizing. When you do that, then, and, and you know, yes, there's certain things that you maybe don't want to touch, like religion and 
you know, politics and things like that. And that's fine. But there are things about yourself that are polarizing no matter what. Are you like a super spiritual person? You can't hide that. It's part of who you are. One of the things that, you know, I can't hide and that's become part of my brand and part of just the stories that I tell is the fact that I am absolutely obsessed with my husband. Like, just absolutely obsessed with him. And it's become part of my brand because it's something I talk about. Imagine if and nobody knew that I was married. That'd be so weird. Or if he was just like some, some this person in the background of all of my content. You know, there's things about you that is going to be magnetic or is going to be polarizing. No matter what. So there's nonverbal communication, like through setting, posture, tone, behavior, you know, things like that, which is the other reason why you need to get comfortable on camera. Because your real self is not going to come through on camera if you're not comfortable on camera. And I would say 20% is what comes out of your mouth. 80% is all the other nonverbal cues. And it's all the other nonverbal cues that actually matter the most. So it's what's in your background. Are you wearing a full face of makeup or are you not? What are you doing? Are you, do you talk with your hands? What does your tone sound like? Are you making fun of yourself? Are you, you know, do you think that you're funny, but you're not really that funny? Your personality is something that is actually probably one of the most important things, which is what, why it kills me when I see these real estate, stiff real estate videos of like people in a suit, like talking at the camera like a robot. None of that is ever going to be magnetizing because it becomes about you and the element to be okay with attracting and repulsing. And repulse is a gross, is a terrible word, I know. But like, there are going to be certain people who are like, hey, in theory, I liked what she had to say, but like, I don't, I'm not vibing with her. That's okay. And then there's going to be some of you who are like, oh, she's my person. I like her. I want to hang out with her. Right? That's what we want. You can't be for everyone because if you're for everyone, you're vanilla. And I say this a lot, but I would rather have a thousand people who absolutely love me than have uh, 10,000 people who kind of like me. Because that's really where the inbound business is going to come from and that like compounding of audience. Okay. So positioning, there are the positioning part, and this is stuff that I haven't really talked about a lot, but position, when we're talking about positioning and marketing, there's five different things that are going to set you apart. Number one is polarity, which we just kind of briefly talked about. So polarity by showing your values. And what I, I don't, what I mean by values is I don't mean like integrity and professionalism and timeliness. Like, that's not what I mean by values. I mean, like, you know, what's actually important to you? Is time with your kids really important to you? Is that one of your values? Are you showing that? Right? Archetypes. So how do you share and how do you embody? I'm going to do an entire one of these training series on archetypes because it's like a big, long thing. Your offer. What is your service package? What does it look like? What is it called? 
the fact that my business is called the listings lab in and of itself there are certain people who are going to be attracted to that so what is your actual service package what are you selling if you're new here real estate agents don't sell real estate real estate agents sell services and they consult on the sale of real estate do you have a service package that is named and branded and marketed alongside your name? Or are you still trying to sell yourself as a product? It's for another day. But your offer is essentially the gateway for access to you. Messaging. How do you communicate? How do you communicate? What are you saying? What is your understanding? Do you have your audience feeling like you know them and that you understand them and feel emotionally connected to you? And then last, what's your selling style? How do you actually get somebody to book the call, to have book the listing presentation, to have the conversation? Because different energies are going to require different selling styles. I have a speaking coach and he's a dude. And when he sells, he sells like a dude from stage. It's very like, here's what everything costs and here's the value. And like, you got to, you know, grab hold of life by the balls. And like, that's not me. I sell from stage in like a completely different way. It's, hey, I got this thing. And if this is something that resonates with you, cool. And if it's not, also cool. But if you want to talk about it, here's how, right? It's a very different vibe and it's a very different way of doing things and different people are going to resonate with different things. So again, like you kind of have to figure out what works for you and you have to own it. So I'm going to do a part two Thursday of next week. And if you are in, on the East Coast or you like to get on airplanes, I am doing an event the end of February in Miami. And this one that I'm doing in February, it's three full days and 100% of it is marketing. So it's all marketing and like building, essentially building everything out in a way that will get you to 100 deals. So if that's something that you want, send me an email. It's end of February. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that like this kind of stuff is incredibly important and you're probably not going to hear it in a lot of other places. The way that we teach things is very different from your typical like real estate agent training, but it works because it's all about uh, bringing people to you and you can get out there and you can chase and you can hustle your way to like 30, 40, 50 deals. But if you want to do 100 or 200 deals a year, you have to be able to use attraction marketing because you're never going to be able to hustle your way to those numbers and still feel like a human being. Thanks for listening. To talk to our team about how The Listings Lab can help you grow your business, visit thelistingslab.com forward slash apply. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the podcast five stars on iTunes and help us to reach other agents who want to massively scale their business the modern way. And if you want more marketing and scalability strategies for your real estate business in between episodes, then join The Listings Lab Facebook group or follow Jess on Instagram at Jess Lenouvelle. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us next week.